Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Good morning, Legacy family. Happy Sunday to you. I hope that you're having a good day so far. I am excited to be in the house of the Lord with you in your living room or on your iPhone, in your bedroom, or wherever you are. We are in the presence of God together this morning, celebrating the person of God in our Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I am happy to be in church, to be redeemed today. Welcome to the Legacy family. We are glad that you're here. From wherever you're watching, I want to say welcome. As we get started, I wanted to give you all a little bit of an update that's happening here locally in Nashville. So if you are a part of the Legacy family, I want to invite you to one, pray, and then secondly, just to get excited together, okay? We have submitted our final documentation that we're told that we need to receive our permits for our brand new building over at 901 Dalebrook Lane. So we are expecting to get those as soon as possible, but we want you to pray with us so that we would have favor with the permitting office. Just go ahead and pray right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for favor with the permitting office to get our permits back quick because we want to start construction on the building that God has so graciously given to us over at 901 Dalebrook. So be praying into that. As soon as the permits arrive, we can start the construction process. So that should happen very, very soon. So we wanted to let you know that, as well as one other announcement, which is that next Sunday, right here on the Legacy Nashville YouTube and Facebook and wherever you uh, watch or listen, uh, we are going to be having a guest speaking pastor. Uh, that's right. We're going to have our first guest speaker for Church Online. And uh, to be honest, I thought, man, people are probably getting tired of hearing from me through their TV. Maybe not. If you're not, that's great. But I wanted to have somebody in that I felt could really speak into the season for our church here at Legacy. And that is Pastor Michael Miller, the senior pastor of Upper Room. He is going to be our guest speaking pastor next week. So you don't want to miss next Sunday as he brings a word for our sermon series, Presence People. It's not like some pre-recorded message that we're pulling off of YouTube, all right? He is going to be preaching a word to you guys, to this family, uh, the Legacy family, next Sunday. So I want you to get ready. We're obviously going to dive in today and talk about the sermon series, Presence People, continuing on. I think this will be our second or third installment, depending on how you look at it. And then Pastor Michael is going to bring another installment next week. So I am going to be reading today from Exodus chapter 3. I know last week I read from Exodus. I want you to go back to that book. And we're going to kind of rewind the tape, if you will, and look at the life of Moses prior to his uh, real commissioning. Um, kind of the, some of the origin stories of Moses in ministry, okay? And so I want you to turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 3. And I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture today. I hope that's okay with you. I want to read verses 1 through 12. 
So if you have your Bible, just go ahead and open it up or your YouVersion app. And we're going to read all of Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. The Bible says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. You guys probably remember this story from Sunday school. It's the story of the burning bush. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Now get this, verse 4, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Notice Moses could have just, you know, continued about his day uh, tending to his father-in-law's sheep, but he became curious uh, by something supernatural that was happening around him. He leaned in, and then when he leaned in, God leaned in, and then God called uh, to Moses out of the fire, and he says, Moses, Moses, and then Moses responds in the way that each and every one of us should respond when we're being called by God, which is, here I am. And then he said, this is God speaking, he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Uh, he's introducing himself here. And then Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. Moses was very aware, like, hey, people don't see God and live. That was very well understood within the cultural context of Moses' day. And so when God introduces himself and says, hey, I am that guy. I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knows this is Yahweh and I better not look or else I might die, right? He's afraid all of a sudden. And then the Lord said, verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. Well, who is he talking about? He is talking about those who are enslaved. They are, they are slaves in Egypt, and they are suffering, and their cries have risen before the Lord. And now God is confirming to Moses that he has heard the cries of Moses' people who have been forced into the atrocity of slavery. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to uh, the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, all of these places uh, that these people occupy, I'm going to give to the people of God, the Israelites, and verse 9, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, I want you to come. So, so God is now beckoning Moses to himself. He says, okay, come. I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But then Moses says to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you. 
He said, you're going to be a presence person, Moses. Despite the difficulty of this assignment, I have a promise for you, Moses. My presence is going to go with you. It's very similar to what God spoke to Moses a little bit later in Exodus chapter 33, which we talked about last week. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Amen. That is the word of the Lord today. Today, um, I'm going to go through this story and I'm going to pull out uh, four points or how I'm going to title this message, message is four happenings on holy ground. All right. So that's the message for today, church. It is four happenings on holy ground. What happens when you stand on holy ground? What is taking place when you step into the presence of God? What is going to happen, people of God, as you get hungry and the Spirit of the Lord beckons you into the secret place, beckons you deeper into the presence of God? What is going to happen to you? What is going to happen in you as you step into that place? Though, uh, that and those four things are what we are going to explore today in Exodus chapter 3. So let's pray. Lord, we want to say thank you for your word. We, we say thank you, God, that your word is everlasting, that it's such strength to us. It's nourishment to us. We are so encouraged and uplifted uh, by the strength of your word. And we pray today that you would take Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 12, and that it would nourish our spirits, that we would be transformed, that we'd be encouraged uh, from the story of Moses, and that these four things you want to reveal to us through this scripture would take up permanent, stable residence in our hearts to bring uh, more intimacy with you into our lives. That's what I pray today in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. So first things first, church, I, I want to just articulate a bit of what I mean by holy ground. Now, when we're talking about holy ground, here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's presence. So as, as you think about this message, the four happenings on holy ground, I'm talking about God's presence. Now, I actually love this story. There is this, it's, it's kind of a leadership story, honestly. And that's in some way, the way I would like to roll out the narrative is, is Moses, he's a leader. Moses becomes an abolitionist. He rescues people from slavery. Moses is a history maker. Moses, just like we are here at Legacy Nashville, Moses is a world changer church. And I, I, he's a world changer. So I know that you guys are thinking now, I want to be like Moses. I, I want to be a history maker. I want to be a world changer. I want to be an abolitionist. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference on the world. If you want any of those things or all of those things to walk in your calling like Moses walked, then I want you to pay attention today because there's some things that God wants to do in your heart in his presence that are important. And so when you look at it through that lens, when you look at it through Moses's development as a world changer, there's a few things that I notice right off the bat to put the story in context. Number one is this, Moses is actually stewarding somebody else's sheep. This is something for us to recognize because Moses is serving in somebody else's house and Moses is around the age of 80, all right? So you would think Moses would be doing something 
a little bit better for himself at the ripe age of 80. And the reason I bring that up is because some of you guys are 20 and 25 or 45 or 55, and you're thinking to yourself, I haven't accomplished everything that I want to accomplish. I've not done anything substantial or significant. Listen, guys, Moses, uh, uh, one of the greatest world changers of Scripture, was 80 years old, and he was tending a flock of sheep in the wilderness that didn't even belong to him, but belonged to his father-in-law, Jethro. That is actually very important for us to recognize. And what is he doing? He's not leading the sheep to himself. He's leading the sheep to the mountain of God, which is what a leader always does really well when they're a good leader, is they don't lead to themselves, but they lead to the mountain of God. So right off the, uh, they lead to God, you know, they lead to the presence of God. And so right off the bat, we're, we're, we're noticing just some, some, some leadership ingredients in the life of Moses. And it's in my experience that God loves to encounter us in these seasons. God loves to encounter us as we serve in preparation for us to lead. Now, I want to say that again because it's important to hear is that God loves to encounter us as we serve in preparation for us to lead. And that's what's happening right now in the life of Moses. He's not some big leader yet. He's not yet a world changer. He's yet, not yet made a difference. Moses is actually in a place where he's quite hidden. He, he, he's he's uh, in the midst of the mundane, if you will. He has, uh, he's got a blue-collar position. He, he's, he's not the CEO type. He's just a manager. And what we know is, through reading the Scripture, is that Moses is serving Jethro right now. But there's going to come a time in the future where Jethro is actually going to serve Moses. Will you remember when everybody comes out of the promised land and Jethro, his father-in-law, gives them the counsel and says, you shouldn't be uh, the only judge of Israel. You got to, you know, here's the strategy. Do you guys remember that? And so right now Moses is serving Jethro, but there's going to come a time where Jethro is going to be serving Moses. There's going to be an elevation of Moses in his leadership gift. There's going to be an elevation of Moses in what he's called to do. But before that can take place, Moses needs something and he needs an encounter. Moses needs to step onto holy ground. Moses needs to get into the presence of God because in the presence of God, there are some happenings that are going to take place that Moses needs to step into what Moses is called to do. So Moses needs to be encountered. And one other thing before we kind of move to the first point is this, is that God often prepares his leaders in the wilderness. I, I don't know if you've noticed this before, but even looking at the life of Jesus, we're seeing it here in Moses, is that it's so common for God to prepare his leaders in the wilderness. Some of you guys know what I'm talking about when I say wilderness right now, because for you, this pandemic, this quarantine has left you feeling isolated and lonely. And some of you guys, while you're in the comfort of your own couch, you feel that you're in this dry and barren desert in the soul. Like you're really walking through a wilderness in this season of your life. And I just want you to know that very often throughout Scripture, God prepares his leaders in the wilderness. God not only prepares his leaders in the wilderness church, but God prepares his leaders in his presence. Anytime God is about to prepare a man, he takes him into the wilderness and takes him into his presence. 
Anytime God is about to prepare a woman, he takes, him through, takes her through the wilderness and brings her into his presence. So if you find yourself in the wilderness today, just know that God is bringing you to himself. And here's why. It's because God's presence is an irreplaceable incubator for God's leaders. Let me say that again because I want to make sure that you grabbed it, okay? God's presence is an irreplaceable incubator for God's leaders. If you're going to be a leader in the kingdom of God, you've got to be a person that is passionate about getting into the presence of God. Before you're able to lead the people out of Egypt, you're going to have to take your shoes off on holy ground. It's really important that you understand this is how God works with his leaders. Because we cannot just do great feats for God. We're called to do great feats with God as his presence goes with us. And we not only operate in his power, but we're so close to him that we're flowing in his heart as well. And so we treat people properly with respect and dignity and we do what we're called to do. And we've been tempered by the presence. So what's happening here, uh, church? Point number one is this. I've already kind of covered point number one, but this is point number one. God's presence prepares. It is in the presence of God that you get prepared. You get prepared in God's presence. As a world changer, as a leader, as somebody that is a presence person, I want you to know that here's the happening. Here's the first happening. Anytime you step into the presence of God, here's something that's happening. You're being prepared for your assignment. Anytime you go into the presence of God, know this, that God has an assignment in encountering you. And part of that assignment, absolutely, he's going to love on you. He's going to cherish you. He's going to speak identity over you. All of those amazing things that the Father does for us. But he's also going to prepare you, prepare you for your calling, which is why it's so important that we get into the presence of God in prayer and in worship and through study of the scripture as often as we possibly can, because it's on holy ground, church that we get prepared for our destiny. It's on holy ground, family, that we get prepared for our purpose. So we cannot neglect the presence of God because that's where we get prepared. As I, as I was thinking about this first point this past week, I was recognizing that all throughout you know, my early 20s, when I was single and bored, you know, I would spend hours and hours and hours in the presence of God. I lived uh, in McLean County, Kentucky. It's it's not it's not a big it's not a big metropolitan area, and I didn't have any friends there because I was recently saved. I just knew folks at church, and so all throughout the week I went up to the church. My my dad was bivocational. He was a pastor. He was also worked a professional job nine to five, and so I had the whole church all to myself. So I knew how to work the uh, sound system well enough to get in there and plug in an iPod. And I would just worship three, four, five hours on certain days. And I thought I was bored. But in reality, I look back on those moments and I wouldn't trade them for anything because what I recognize is that God was actually preparing me in his presence because some of the most significant encounters that I've had in my life to date happened in that season. Some of the most wonderful revelation that I received about the Lord happened in that uh, church and I, as I would spend time with the Lord. And so I look back and I realize now I'm like, okay, I thought I was being overlooked because uh, I was like, I'm anointed. I want to preach. I've received revelation. I thought I was being overlooked, but I was really just being hidden. 
And that's important for you to remember if you do find yourself in that wilderness season today, church, is that perhaps you're not being overlooked. Perhaps God has just hidden you and hidden you for a reason and hidden you for a season because he wants to prepare you in his presence. And God is so good at taking away all these other things uh, that we put stock in so that when it's all said and done, we recognize where our dependence should lie. And that is upon the presence, the holy ground. And so even though I thought I was being hidden, here's what I realized as well. I was actually being driven, driven into the presence of God, driven into that place of encounter. I remember Pastor Suber, he used to tell me that this was actually something he called the gift of loneliness, that there were times in your life where you'd feel lonely. So my pastor, Pastor Suber, he used to actually refer to this as the gift of loneliness. And he would say that whenever you feel lonely, whenever you feel overlooked, whenever you feel hidden, that's actually just God communicating behind the scenes that he wants to spend a little bit of time with you. So that's where the preparation happens. It happens in the presence. This is normal, church. If you are in a single season, if you're in a bored season, if you feel like there's nothing better to do than pray, Get on holy ground because God will prepare you there on that holy ground. So Moses here, back, back to the story a little bit. Moses here is, is engaged in a very uninteresting routine, which he's been doing for 40 years now, which is shepherding somebody else's sheep. And then all of a sudden, he has this experience. He has this encounter. He has this curiosity that is piqued by walking past a bush that's on fire and the fire does not go out. And so he becomes curious and he says, I'm going to turn and see what's going on. And when he turns and he sees and he lets his curiosity, his spiritual curiosity get the best of him, then God turns and then faces Moses and pays attention in such a way that, that he encounters Moses. And we see that, that, that God actually shows up in fire. Now, I, I'm, I grew up Pentecostal, and like a good charismatic, I love the mention of fire. I don't know about you, but I've been in plenty of prayer lines and what we call fire tunnels and ministers and evangelists, you know, placing their hand on my head and shouting, fire! Or, you know, people just praying for each other, fire! You know, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. If you've not, go to Brazil. You'll have that experience for sure. But I wanted to give you a little bit of theology on fire. Uh, throughout the Bible, God, God does manifest as fire. Here's a few places. Uh, this place, obviously, the burning bush. Think about God leading Israel through the wilderness by a pillar of fire. God is said to be a devouring fire a little bit later on Mount Sinai when he encounters Moses. Think about the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit manifests as tongues of fire. We can go back to the beginning of uh, the Abrahamic covenant when God covenants with Abraham uh, with a smoking fire pot going between the sacrifices. There are so many other mentions of fire. And here's what fire represents as you read it throughout the scripture. Fire represents the presence of God in intensive form. That's what we're seeing. Fire represents the presence of God in an intensive form. Fire in the scripture represents purification. Fire can also represent destruction. I want you to think about Sodom and Gomorrah. Fire is actually an expression of God's holiness. And part of what God says to Moses 
before he introduces himself is an indicator of what fire comes to bring, which is, which is purification, which is the power of God's holiness, which is why he says, hey, take your shoes off because you are standing on holy ground, right? When the Holy Spirit shows up, there's tongues of fire. There is something about fire throughout the Bible that brings purification. Remember that even John the Baptist prophesied about the Messiah, his cousin Jesus, that he would baptize us not only with the Holy Spirit, but that he would also baptize us with what, church? With fire, right? And so what does fire do? Fire, fire intensely remo removes impurities, right? Fire, fire leaves only what is pure. Only what is pure is able to remain. And so before Moses can really step into his assignment to deliver the people from the Egyptians, he's not only, he not only needs to be prepared, but church, listen, Moses also needs to be purified. If you know you're called to be a world changer, you know you're called to be a history maker, let me tell you, you need to get in the presence of God. You need to get in the presence of God, number one, so that you can get prepared. You need to get in the presence of God, number two, so that you can get purified. We all need to be purified, and not just once, like when we have a salvation experience. We need to be purified over and over again, and that's why we continue to get into God's presence, because you get purified in God's presence. Now, when it comes to fire, I don't know about you, but when I see fire, while I do enjoy it, I don't naturally think to put my hand in it, right? It's like fire, there's a certain degree of respect that fire demands, and it, it can be a little bit scary, as is being purified by God. That's a little bit scary. Whenever God says, okay, I'm going to bring you into my presence, and I'm going to purify you, that can be uh, scary. But here's something pretty cool about this scripture that I learned this week, which is how God communicates to Moses. He says, Moses, Moses, and I think about Jesus saying, Martha, Martha, because I always think of that, uh, that story with Jesus as he's like rebuking rebuking Martha, you know, but I didn't realize this to this week. In Hebrew culture, to say somebody's name twice was to communicate uh, deep endearment. I, I didn't know that. I just learned that. And so when you would communicate to someone and call out to them twice, here's what Moses understood. I don't know who's calling me yet because God had yet to introduce himself, but here's what he did know. He, he knew that whoever was calling out to him from the fire loved him which I think is very powerful because God wants to bring you into the fire of his presence to purify you, but he also wants you to have the confidence of his affirmation and his affection over you so that even though you might walk through fire, know this, that God is with you. God's going to walk with you through it every step of the way. And as you're purified, you'll be with him in intimacy and you'll come out tried, but you'll come out pure. And, and that's part of the reason why uh, I believe that God's presence showed up in fire because of what Moses needed to happen uh, in his journey as he was being prepared to step into this place of being a world changer. Yeah, I, I didn't really think about how much in this message I'm mentioning how Moses is a world changer, but you know, I think it, it, is, it is worth highlighting that if you're going to be a kingdom world changer, you've got to be a presence person. You just, you have to be. You have to be a presence person because you need to be prepared and you also need to be purified. And that's something that, um, that God requires of everybody, okay? Uh, God is about to reveal himself, but before he does, what does he say? He says, Moses, I want you to take off your shoes. This is representative of repentance, all right? Now, I'm, 
the way we come to God really does matter. We don't get to encounter God in the way that we prefer. We get to encounter God in the way that he reveals himself, okay? And so if you're going to go further with God, if you're going to be a presence person, you're going to be a repentant person. Because the further we go with God and the more encounters and the deeper that we get and the closer we get to the fire, the more that we're going to have to let go of, the more we're going to have to repent of, the more transformation that's going to be required of us. And that's what we're able to do well in the place of the presence, right? So the Bible teaches us to approach the throne of God boldly, but it does not teach us to approach the throne of God flippantly, right? He says, I want you to take your shoes off. I want you to remove what is standing between you and, and my holy place. I want you to remove that. I want you to repent. I want you to take that sin, that iniquity. I want you to take that distance, right? Which is what we know sin does. It creates distance. Think of Adam and Eve in the garden. I want you to remove this, the distance between us by way of repentance. I want you to remove that place and I want you to be in the presence so that these things can happen to you. Why? Because I have an assignment for you. And this is, this is actually the third happening here, guys is that uh, God now starts to speak. Uh, he introduces himself first and foremost, and, that, and, and then Moses recognizes the authority of the one speaking, which is why he hides his face in humility, which is also a characteristic of a presence person. The more time you spend in the presence, the more humble you become, because the more time you spend around God, the more you're becoming like God. And that's one of the things about arrogant Christians that is really concerning is because when a Christian becomes arrogant, all that they're doing is revealing that it's been a while since their last encounter. Because as we get into the presence, as we have encounters, God humbles us like he did Moses. We repent. We take our shoes off. We're on holy ground. We say, it's not my will, God, but it's yours. What do you want to say to me? I'm just, I, I'm a simple guy. Moses even, it says, like, how am I going to do this, right? But what, is, what does God begin to say? God begins to, to share revelation with Moses about what is happening in the world as well as what is happening in his heart. Now, I don't want you to overlook what I just said right there, because this is the third point, is that God's presence informs, okay? You receive revelation in God's presence. And there's many ways we could take this, but I, I, first I'll hit it from Moses, and then I'll practically apply it for you. In verse 7, God reveals what he sees to Moses. So in the presence, Moses receives God's perspective on what's happening in Egypt. And not only does Moses receive God's perspective, but Moses also receives God's plans, which in the presence, we get both. We see as God sees, and then God reveals his plans to us. God reveals steps to us. God gives us actions to take based upon the purpose that he has for our lives. But we don't know what that is till we get on holy ground, till we get in that presence place, and then God reveals those things. Not only does God receive his, uh, excuse me, not only does Moses receive God's perspective, he receives God's plans. Here's the other thing he receives. He receives God's passion. God reveals to Moses whom he is passionate about. And I can tell you this, like I do think God loves the nations. He loves territories. He loves cities. I think he enjoys our church buildings and all of those things that, that, that we do uh, as his creation. But let me tell you, God is most passionate about one thing, and that is people. And, that, and that's what's happening here in the presence is Moses is getting hit with revelation about how God feels about these people. And this is something that we really, really need, church. We really need time spent in the presence so that we can have these 
these three things, God's perspective, God's plans, and God's passion. Because God loves humanity. He loves lost humanity. He loves people of other faiths. He loves people who look different than us and believe uh, different than us. He wants them uh, to know that he died on the cross so that they could be saved and set free, right? He, he wants to give us not only his power, but also his compassion. And so that's one of the things that, we, that, we, that happen that happens on holy ground is when we get into that place of the presence, yes, we're getting God's plans. Yes, we're getting God's perspective, but we're also getting that passion for people as well. And so what's happening here is that God's saying, my heart is breaking for the Israelites. My, my heart is breaking for those enslaved. My heart is breaking for those that are being trafficked. My heart is breaking for those who are being abused. My heart is breaking for those forced into labor. My heart is breaking for these kids uh, who are being beaten. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like, this is not just happening in Egypt. This is happening in 2020. And when we get into the presence of God, church, we begin to sense God's passion. The deeper we go, the more passion we feel about God's people, particularly the people who are lost, particularly the people who are not involved in church, particularly the poor, particularly the people who are just what, what some people would say, the other people who are not like us, right? And so that, that's why it's important that we get into that place of the presence. We get into that holy place. Because we start to develop that passion. And, it, and, and, and what breaks God's heart starts to break our heart. Here's the last thing that the presence uh, does, at least in this story. There's probably other things. But the four happenings on holy ground, here's the fourth one, is that God's presence empowers. You get empowered for impact in God's presence. This is the place of preparation this is the place of purification. This is the place of information. And this is the place of empowerment. It's holy ground. What you need in order to accomplish your assignment is the presence of God. Listen, I, I am all for internships, ministry schools, Bible colleges, books, podcasts, YouTube videos, and sermons. I am all for it. Listen, I listen to sermons every day. I read the Bible every day for the most part. I missed a day last week on our reading plan. I caught up, praise God. But I woke up the next morning like racked with anxiety. I missed a day. I had a streak of over 100 days on version. Anyways, there's nothing wrong with those things. Those things are all good. And you should do all of those things. You should study and you should prepare yourself practically. But there is no replacement for the presence of God, church. Let me say this again. There is no replacement for the presence of God. In order for you to accomplish God's plans for your life, you need to go deeper into the presence. In order to accomplish everything that God has anointed you to do, you've got to become a presence person because your supernatural empowerment that you need to achieve your supernatural assignment only comes from one place. And it's not from a classroom. It's from holy ground. And you need to remember this, church, because in order to be commissioned like Moses was, you got to find that place with the Lord of that holy ground, that presence place. And uh, no doubt Moses was confused by the commissioning, given the fact that he had already tried to help Israel 40 years, old, uh, 40 years earlier uh, by killing an Egyptian. Do you guys remember this? And then that's actually what caused them to flee to the wilderness. And so he is already trying to accomplish uh, God's assignment for his life and his own strength. You got to notice this. 
He's, he's already tried that. He's like, I've already tried to rescue the Israelites from the Egyptians. And God's like, yeah, you did that in your own strength. You did it before you were deep enough on holy ground. You did it before you were in the presence. You did it before you were encountered. You did it before you got the supernatural empowerment that you needed from this place in order to accomplish that assignment. But now that you've been empowered by the presence, now that you've encountered the glory, now that you've encountered the fire, now that you've stood on holy ground and repented, now that you've been purified, Moses, now you're ready. Now you've matured. Now you've spent time. Now this presence is, is, is uh, it's informing you. It's purifying you. It's preparing you. And now it's empowering you to go back and uh, to do what you've been called to do, which is to rescue uh, Israel from the Egyptians. These are the four happenings of holy ground, church. And I just, I, I want to ask you today, I want you to find that place of holy ground in your house uh, this afternoon or this week or at some point when you can really just seek the Lord in that place of his presence and come into that place and rest there for a while because that is the place of preparation. That is the place of purification. That is the place of perspective. And that's the place of empowerment. Get there, stay there, live there. Church, we are presence people. This is our portion. This is our destiny. This is our love. This is our preoccupation is to spend time with the Lord, to spend time in the fire, to spend time on holy ground and to spend time in God's presence. This is who we are. In Jesus' name, I bless you as a presence person. In Jesus' name, I bless you to have encounters. In Jesus' name, I bless you uh, for God to speak to you and for you to hear clearly. In Jesus' name, I pray the Lord would change your life this week in His presence as you have encounters with Him. You are a presence person. And that's all there is to it. That's what God says. You are a presence person. And I bless you guys today in Jesus' name. I love you. I'm praying for you. Let's be praying for these permits so that we can move forward and get ready to come right back here next Sunday for an incredible word from Pastor Michael. God bless you guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.